Hi, my name is Pastor Edwin. And for a lot of times, uh, I have brothers and sisters that have sat with me and asked me before, over and over, Edwin, how did you come to the faith? How do you come to believe the way you believe? Uh, uh, and, and, and be the man of God that you became. Did God call you in this? Uh, did you move this? I said to him, believe it or not, it was a, a crazy thing. Okay, now I want to share that with you guys real quick here. And it actually happened um, suddenly. I knew God and Jesus existed and the Holy Spirit existed, but I never followed. I never sought him out. I never uh, did anything. Uh, I, I rarely went to a church. I mean, if there was a funeral, I didn't even want to go to the church because I just didn't like the church scenery, right? So, because I lived a life of sin without Christ in my life. So here, there was a year of, of um, the deficit and things started to change from 2005 um, to 2011, between that time, I worked under um, self-employment, doing uh, contract painting and things like that, you know. So here the deficit had a downfall, and my company was hurt. I mean, I wasn't making a whole lot of money, but I was doing something. I was floating. We were staying afloat. And here I'm sitting in my living room after going over of months and weeks, days, hours after hours, trying to figure out a way to stay afloat. Uh, I had a deal with a certain landlord at that time, and, and he came and knocked on my door and said to me, listen, I have no more work for you. I'm not purchasing any more houses. You're going to have to figure out how to pay for your rent if you can't find work. And that was the big, at least 85% of my income was through him, the business that we were doing together. So now I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, what am I, me, myself, what am I going to do? How am I going to get myself out of this mess, right? So here we go. Uh, I'm sitting here. In, I'm sitting in my living room in New Jersey because I'm in North Carolina now. Praise God. And I'm sitting there, okay, in 2011. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on? I can't figure anything out. I put out sales and deals and all kinds of things, but nothing was working. I was getting no work. Everything was falling through. I was practically giving the work away and still it just wasn't happening. Everything was like shut down. I was sitting so still. I was frightened. I was freaking out. And believe it or not, I sat there with a cigarette in my hand, which has been uh, going on nine years, no smoking now, praise God. Well, I sat there at that time with, you know, before Christ and I had a cigarette in my hand and a beer in, on the table. And I sit back on the sofa. My wife is in the other room thinking, oh, what else we're going to do? Contemplating on the situation. And I look ahead, okay? And this is truth. I look ahead at my entertainment system. And surrounding, surrounding this one particular book that stood out to me, okay, were, were horror movies, porno flicks, uh, violent movies, all kinds of, uh, 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 secular movies of the world, things of the world, entertainment today that we all have dived into and fell into and stayed in there for years and years till Christ showed us the error of our ways, right? So here I'm sitting there in my on my sofa and I look across the room over at my entertainment system and I see this one book standing out and behold, it's a Bible. It was a men's devotional Bible. And I thought to myself, hmm, all right. I felt the urge to get up and pick it up and open it. I mean, I felt like I was 
at my bottom. I, I, again, I've been there before in my life, and I'm thinking, man, why am I here? What is going on? I'm a good guy. I do good things. You know, I share my things. I bless people. You know, not that I call them blessing. I help them out. That's what I said. I give them a hand. You know, I, I was never stingy with anything. I paid my guys that work for me very well, and it's just this is happening to me. So I couldn't understand why it was happening. So here, I pick, I walk up, and I'm thinking to myself, I got an attitude now. And I'm walking over to it. I'm thinking to myself, oh boy, here we go. I wonder what this is going to say. So I pulled it out of the, off the shelf, dusted it off, and it had a little bit of tobacco stains on it, you know? I mean, we did some smoking in the house. So if you ever did that, you know that in your house, there's tobacco stains somewhere. Your wall, ceiling, curtains, sofa, you name it. So I pull this Bible out of there, dust it off, and I sit back down, inhale the cigarette, and I open it, I just opened it right up, and it landed on the book of Job. So for me, I didn't know how to pronounce the book of Job. I said, Job. Okay, Job, this must be for me, because, you know, I'm trying to find a job, right? I mean, I'm taking pay cuts here and there, and nobody's hiring me. I'm like, oh my goodness, what is going on? So here, I'm opening the book to the book of Job, I, and, and, and it says to me that there was a man in the country of Uz named Job, right? So I'm like, okay, now I got it. His name, we're talking about this guy named Job, not a job, right? Okay, so I continued on, and, and it says to me that he was a man of complete integrity. I understood what integrity is, you know? When you say you're going to do something, you do it. You keep your word. Your word is bond, you know? Growing up with that idea, the word is bond, right? And, and But... Also, I kept reading on and I became intrigued, right? He says, who feared, it says he was a man of complete integrity who feared God and turned away from evil. And I th thought to myself, fearing God? How, what do you mean fear God? What, why would you fear God? You know, I didn't have any understanding at all. I was lost from it. And, and uh, um, turning away from evil, I'm like, okay, I, t I think I turned away from evil. What's really evil when you don't know the truth about it, right? What's really good if you don't know the truth about the good either? Okay, so I continue to read it. And verse number two says, he had seven sons and three daughters. His estate included 7,000 sheep and goats, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large number of servants. So I'm thinking to myself, man, this guy is wealthy. You know, he's well off. So what's going on with this dude? You know, uh, I'm thinking, okay, it's got to really be for me now because common sense, I'm reading it, and I'm going through this problem here. I got nothing. I'm losing stuff. I'm losing business. I'm losing. I'm losing. I was ready to sell my truck, which I ended up doing later on. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do next to pay this rent? Couldn't do it. We fell so behind trying to do everything I could. The guy would not cut me a break. And I'm thinking, again, this is insane. This is a nightmare. This is a nightmare. Everything isn't working. Nothing is working. Everything's breaking apart, falling apart in our lives here. And now the landlord's saying, no more wheels and deals, dude. I got no work for you. So you're going to have to figure something out. Okay, fine. I'm thinking, I can do that. But nothing was happening for me. He lost his patience after two weeks and came over and said to me, all right, now I'm taking you to court. I'm like, whoa, I thought we were friends. Give me a chance to do this. Remember, you're the one that can't supply me with the work anymore. He goes, no, nah, it's your responsibility. 
So we went down through the whole shmuel, right? And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on here? What is going on here? So you see a lot of us, we end up going through these things in our lives and we're not looking towards God. And exactly what I did at that moment in time when God was already infiltrating, ruining everything in a good way, you know, just mixing it all up. And here I have for the very first time a Bible in my hands. A Bible, yeah, there was a cigarette lit burning in the ashtray. Yeah, there was a beer at the table. But you know one thing that I had in my hand that I've never held was a Bible. And I'm reading through. And I'm reading about this guy, Job, that's saying, okay, he fears God. He turns away from evil. So I'm interested. And then I start reading all these things that he has. I'm like, man, this guy's well off. It must be because God loves him or he follows God. Let me find out. So I continue to read, right? And it says here that Job was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Whoa, he didn't say in the town. He didn't say in his community. He said in all the people, all of the people of the East. That's a lot of people, man. You think about it. That's a lot of people. He, number four, he says that his sons, his sons used to take turns having banquets at their homes. They would send an invitation to their three sisters to eat and drink with them. I'm like, all right, I, I'm familiar with that. You know, before Christ, that's what we did. We we did a whole lot of drinking. We did a whole lot of hanging around, secular music, dancing, all that stuff. So I understood where it was going. So I'm intrigued still. You know, I'm still interested here. I'm like, okay. It's, this looks like we're going to have a party. It sounds like we're going to have a party here. All right. We're talking about it's this man, Job. All right. And his kids now. So verse five says, whenever a round of banqueting was over, Job would send for his children and purify them. Did he anoint them or did he pray over them? Did he lay hands on them? He was purifying them, rinsing early in the morning to offer burnt offerings for all of them. For all of them. For Job thought, perhaps my children had sinned, having cursed God in their hearts. You hear that? Cursing God in the heart. So when we sit down and we watch these secular movies, you know, and, and we, we don't just sin by action. We sin by allowing those things to enter our hearts. But it says here, it says here that uh, perhaps his boys sinned in their hearts. In their hearts against God. Maybe we have cursed him, okay? And then it was Job's regular practice to constantly do that because he knew his children were not where they needed to be with God, okay? So when we sit down and we watch these things that are not of God, all right, are we cursing him? Are we allowing that poison to enter our hearts? I mean, because we all know, if you studied your Bible, you know that, that once we cleanse our hearts, that heart is the temple of God. That's where he's going to come and reside with the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts. But here we got this guy, Job. He's talking about his kids. And he said, one day, by the sons of God okay, came to present themselves before the Lord. And I'm thinking to myself, the sons of God? Or, you know, all the stories that I've heard, I'm thinking, I pictured men. Men and women just lining up, you know, to go talk to God. But this wasn't it. I've come to learn that there were angels lining up 
to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. Who? Satan? What's he doing in that line? What is going on here? Uh, I, I, now I really want to know what's going on here. Because I thought we were going to have a party. But you know what? It's not the party that I thought that we were supposed to be having. Here, the Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? From roaming through the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him. A man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. So I'm blown away by this. Whoa, listen to that. He's asking Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Okay, so Job is God's servant. He must work for the Lord, right? Thinking He must work for the Lord. But then he continues. Look at this, how God is confident in Job, in his faith, in him. He says to him, no one else in his town. No, that's not what he said. No one else in, in, in his state. No, he said no one else in the country. Uh-uh. He said no one else on the earth, on the whole earth. And I'm blown by this when I read this. No one else on the earth is like him. A man of perfect integrity who fears God. And turns away from evil. Now I'm thinking myself in my mind. I'm thinking, wow, I, I like Job. Oh, I kind of want to be like him, you know. Uh, let me try and see what else I can find out here. So I keep reading on in verse eight. Then the Lord said to Satan, you know, have you considered my servant Job? So I'm thinking to myself, will God do the same thing and ask him to consider me? Can I reach this 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 place of uh, of Integrity, the perfect integrity, not just any integrity, but perfect integrity. Wow, he must not mess up not one time. I mean, every time he says, I'll be there, he's there. How many times do we say we're going to be there? And then we're like, oh, I don't know if I want to be there, I think. And you come up with 10 million excuses on how to get out of it, right? I don't think Job was like that. Because to be <laughs> somebody like a perfect, has perfect integrity, right? On the whole earth, I don't think he made any excuses. I think when he said he was going to do something, he did it. So in verse 9, Satan answered the Lord. Does Job fear God for nothing? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, listen now. He's talking back. Uh-oh, some, there's something happening. I'm thinking, they're going to fight. They're going to argue. Come on, keep going. Verse 10, haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household, and everything he owns? Look at that blessing. That's grace. That's the love of God. This man is obedient to God. Job, this is what it's telling me. This man is obedient to God. He fears him. Okay, and God is protecting him. And Satan knows this, that he's being protected. Obviously, he's tried to get to him before without God knowing. I don't know. Maybe he thought God didn't know. Okay, so here we go. And he says in verse 10, Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household, and everything he owns? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Listen to that. The obedience that Job has in the Father, he has received that grace, the love, the covering, to the point where evil can't touch him. Now we ask ourselves, now why these things happen, bad things happen. And some people turn away and they want to blame God. Right away they want to blame God about it and tell him, oh, it's all his fault. I never should have done this and that. You know what? But I don't think people are being 
fearful enough of God. Uh, but not in a fear where we tremble and be like, oh my goodness, I can't do anything at all because he's looking at me. I want to go crawl in a hole and die. No, that's not it. It's a fear of respect and love to know that, man, you're the creator of all. You're the almighty God. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You can snap a finger, a blink of an eye, or even a thought, and I'm dead. You take everything away. So I'm thinking there, I'm sitting on this sofa, and I'm thinking to myself, this is happening to me. Is God allowing this to happen to me? What, what's going on here? I'm starting to get a little, little tense now, right? So, But I want to read some more. For the first time in my life, I'm drawn to the Word of God in a way that I couldn't let go. So here we have it. In verse 11, now Satan says to God, but stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns and he will surely curse you to your face. You see how he says he will surely curse you to your face. He's telling God with confidence of the natural, the, the, the sin that's inside of each and every one of us that we're born with, you know, that, that he is so confident of that sin in us that he tells God the Almighty, he will surely curse you to your face. Uh, he knows it. He's confident with it. He's confident about that sin in each and every one of us. That we will fall away. That we will blame God. That we will curse God when we lose a loved one that's close to us and turn away. When we do all these things and then something happens, we don't want to know nothing about God. Satan knows this and he pushes for it. I mean, look at the conversation we're having. He's having here with the Father in heaven. Not his Father, obviously. You know, he's a fatherless goat. But our Father, our Creator, he's talking to him, telling him, he'll surely curse you to your face. And look, in verse 12, blew my mind. And God said, very well, the Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. I'm blown away. What? Well, wait a minute. Uh-oh. Hold it right there. What's going on here? Why would God give Satan power? Is he working with evil? I don't know. I'm so confused. I was so confused that day. I sat on my sofa and I, and I, and I sit up to the edge of the sofa and I sit back. I even stood up and sat down. I, I didn't know what to do with myself, but I wanted, I couldn't put the Bible down. I needed to keep reading. I wanted to find out exactly what was going on here? Because I'm looking at my life at that time. I was looking at it and saying to myself, why are all these things? I was asking those questions. Why are all these things happening to me? What's going on? I'm a good guy. I help people. But look, it blows my mind when I see when God says to him very well, everything he owns is in your power. So what's everything? Let's find out. It says, however... Oh, God wasn't done. Says him, however, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Don't lay a hand on him. The man belongs to God. We belong to God, especially when we surrender to him. When we surrender to God, when we surrender to his son and the Holy Spirit. We belong to the Almighty. We are his family. We're his children. We're not disobedient children, but now he's looking and saying, I'm going to put a hedge of protection around you because you're obedient to me. This is what you deserve or what you receive. Not what we deserve because we all know what we really deserve, but what you have received for your obedience, for keeping his integrity <laughs> like no one in the world. You know what I mean? He's the only one in the whole world 
that does this. And, and, and here God is giving Satan power and giving him permission, see? Giving Satan permission to go and mess with Job. We're going to show, God wants to show him, I guess, uh, you're gonna, we're going to break down that confidence you got about my children. Uh, come on now. And look, and one day, one day, Job's, verse 13, one day when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and reported. Now watch how many messengers come, okay? And you come to realize who are these messengers or, and how they're coming, okay? Because right now, it's the God's stepping back and saying, all right, you, Satan, go mess with them. And you're going to see for yourself what's going to happen. So now we got to look at the messenger that's coming here is an evil messenger bringing bad news. Not every messenger is, is evil. You know, back in the day, in, in the, uh, 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 in, back in the day, they used to kill the, the messengers, right? And we come up with this now cliche, don't kill the messenger. I'm just delivering the message. You know, you bring something evil to a king, you'd get killed. <laughs> but here, three, he's going to, uh, Job is going to receive messages. Here we go. Let's keep going. All right. Verse 14, a messenger came to Job and reported, while the oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazed nearby, the Sabaeans swooped down and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 16, he was still speaking when another messenger came and reported. Listen to that now. He was still, one messenger wasn't even done. There's another one coming down the road. God's fire fell from heaven. Huh? You, this messenger, see how he blamed God? Satan is dirty and a liar. You see that? We know here that the messenger is working for Satan because Satan is doing this. He's up to no good. God stepped back and said, go ahead. But here, Satan's messenger has to speak against God. Try to poke a little bit, you know, at Job and make him feel that God's doing this to you. Huh? You're God, the one that you that you worship and you fear and love is doing this. He said, God's fire fell from heaven. I was also blown with the fact and the idea that Satan had the ability to bring fire down from the sky. Man, God allowed, gave him some power. God allowed him to have some power to do some things. That lets us know the, the uh, uh, who we're really facing, huh? Our nemesis. The one that comes against God, he comes against us. The one that we're constantly fighting with daily in and out of our minds. Here we go. Let's keep going now. So he was still speaking when another messenger came and reported God's fire fell from heaven. It burned the sheep and the servants and devoured them. And alone have escaped to tell you. I alone have escaped to tell you. Another one. <laughs> you know, okay. So there's two messengers that escaped to tell the bad news to Job. No, 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 let's keep reading now. 17 says, that messenger was still speaking when yet another came and reported. The Chaldeans formed three bands, made a rain on the camels and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you again. See, so this tells us, look, repetition is telling us the same thing, repeating the same thing. It's Satan, man. You know, this is demons coming and messing with Job. Threw a little twist in there, try to make Job think it's God doing it. But, but Job's not an idiot now, is he? I'm thinking, I'm asking myself, what is Job going to do? He's losing his servants. There's people dying here. 
You know, he's losing his stuff. And I thought of myself sitting on that sofa. I've lost things. I've lost workers. I've lost business. What is going on? I can, I'm relating in a way. I'm trying to relate to this book, to this story, and I can't put it down. I'm still holding it in my hand. I have not put it down. So here, okay, verse 18, he was still speaking, the messenger, when another messenger came and reported. Oh, my God, listen to this one. Your sons and daughters, and this one blew my mind too. Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And at this point, I'm thinking to myself, I'm shaking my head, no. Oh, no. Don't tell me. Don't tell me something bad happened to them. And verse 19 says, Suddenly, suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on the young people so that they died. And alone, I have escaped to tell you. Look at that bear of bad news. Satan, you liar. Now he's going to try and push Job to the edge to curse him. And I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, this man has lost everything. His family. His livestock. His business. His servants. And surely he was wealthy. He was taking care of his servants because it says that he was a good man of integrity. So when he told his servants, I'm sure he told them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you. He did. Verse 20, then Job stood up. Tore his robe. And, and that's a, 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 a tradition to show their shame. And you hear about this shame in the Garden of Eden. Right? You know, Garden of Eden, when you hear that uh, um, uh, uh, Adam and Eve were afraid. They were ashamed because they knew they were naked. That shame is showing your skin, your flesh. So they have this tradition to rip off the top of their shirts and roll it down. And show their shame, right? So then Job stood up, tore his robe, and shaved his head too. He went a step further. He shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshipped. Hallelujah. You hear that? He worshipped. He didn't curse God. He didn't stop and say, how could this happen? And question. He didn't stand there and start crying and shouting. Oh, I can't believe that my family's gone. No, it says here that he fell to the ground and worshipped. But then he started saying, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you see how we've heard this before. A lot of cowboy movies use it. The Lord gives and the Lord takes, you know. But here is a man that lost everything. I mean, talk about taking. But he's thinking, uh-oh, I must have done something, right? Because God is, God is taken from me. Now, what made him think that? Was it the point where the messenger came up and said, fire came from, from God, uh, uh, rained fire down? He mentioned God in there. Perhaps he already planted a seed try to work Job's mind with it, but I don't think Job was falling for that because look, he didn't curse God yet. He fell to the ground and started to worship and saying and accepting 
accepting, oh my Lord, look at this, my brothers and sisters, accepting what was to come, good or bad. He was already accepting it. Yeah, I'm sure it hurt him. I mean, he fell to the ground. My knees would have been weakened too to hear news like that. But to have this type of love for God, I'm, I'm sitting there wondering, how? Man, I would love to do that. I, I would like to learn how to love God this way. And my heart started to want this, you see. Okay, now. And here, I continue reading, and, and he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. He's still blessing God. Still sending blessings to God. After all this has happened. Verse 22 says, throughout all this, okay, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. Definitely he's one greater than anyone in the world because I tell you what, I hear a lot of people blaming God. Every bad event that's happened in the world, they blame God. This is why this nation is hurting too because we've turned away from God and, and allowed things to, to come into our hearts. We allowed Satan to minister to us and tell us, hey, well, you know, remove the Bibles from the schools. You know, there's places burning Bibles. Oh, there's people turning against God, removing them from the national anthem, removing them from the uh, 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 the Pledge of Allegiance, removing them from the schools, from the kids' lives, and adding things of the world that doesn't belong there. Making believe that God will do, that's doing this. Evil stuff. No, God's not evil. He's good. Hallelujah. He's all good and powerful and mighty. So I continued on and it says, I say, one day the sons of God came again. Now we're in chapter two. So these two chapters really grabbed me and turned my life around forever. For as long as I've, I, I, since that day I picked it up. I mean, look, we're in 2022, right? So it says here that one day the sons of God came again to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with him to present himself before the Lord. The Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? From roaming through the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around on it. Like he was being cocky, you know what I mean? And that's how I took it. Now I'm sneering at him like, oh, I don't like Satan. I can't stand him, right? Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? I thought he was going to repeat the thing. same thing. He says, no one else on earth is like him. No one else on earth is like him. A man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. He says the same thing over and over. This is truth. This is truth. He didn't turn away from it. Okay? So then the Lord continued talking to him and said to him, uh, uh, he still retains his integrity. Even though you enticed me against him. That is the job of Satan. To entice. Huh? God already knew. Now God is bragging. <laughs> He's bragging and saying, oh yeah, well, look. Job didn't do what you thought he was going to do. You were so certain that that sinful seed that you placed in the garden was going to spread like this, huh? That it was going to continue going. That even my servant Job was going to fall into your little tricks. Now listen to this. How many times do we fall into these little tricks? Ask ourselves, are we being right with God? I had to ask, man, I, 
I started seeing all my flaws right there on that sofa in the living room. I'm thinking, my goodness, Lord, show me more. I, I, I felt like crying. How could I ever be like this man? How could I ever meet God? I would love for him to talk about me this way and have this confidence about me this way. Wouldn't you? So here, I continue to read. When God told him that even though you enticed me against him, to destroy him for no good reason. And that's Satan. He's got no good reason. He just wants to mess with God. He wants to show that he's powerful, right? So number four, in verse four, skin for skin, Satan answered the Lord. Now he's being a wise guy. Huh? A man will give up everything he owns in exchange for his life. But stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones and he will surely curse you to your face. Here he goes again. Confidence in that sinful seed that he planted in the garden. That sinful seed that naturally we're born with, okay? He's confident of it. And all we do when we don't turn to God, when we don't live a repentant life, when we don't serve Christ and do the things that Jesus told us to do, like go out and make disciples, talk the gospel, reach everybody in the world, don't be afraid of Satan, don't be afraid of evil, don't be afraid of man. When God's got your back, he's got you covered. He taught me here in the book of Job, in those first two chapters, that I need to be like this man. I need to serve God. Because God is big. He's almighty and good. But I continue to learn more. Here we go. So he says, very well, the Lord told Satan, he is in your power. Once again, he gives him power. He's in your power. He's giving him permission. I'm looking at them like, man. Okay, Satan's getting permission to do this. So obviously he's not as powerful as he lets himself uh, on to be. But like I was saying earlier, let me finish that, that we were, we allow, how many times do we allow that seed to grow? There was an old story of uh, um, uh, a chief and his grandson sitting together at a log in front of the fire. And there's this man in the village that was struggling. He was angry all the time. You've probably heard this before. But uh, uh, real quick, the the grandson asked the uh, chief, the grandfather, why is this man so angry? And the chief told him he has a battle within his mind. And the grandfather was trying to explain it to, the, to, the, to his grandson. So the kid comes out and asks him, well, who do you think is going to win, grandfather? And the grandfather told him the one that he feeds the most. So if we feed Satan, by allowing secular things to come into our homes, into our churches, to, to water down the word of God, to take out the love of Christ out of our homes, that it grows like cancer in the corners, and we don't see it growing till it's too late. It's never too late for God, but too late for us. You see what I'm saying? Because now we have to live a life of repentance to come from that. How many times do we allow this? We feed it. And it grows. But we have the audacity to sit there and ask God, why did you let this happen? We need to be like Job where he continues to fear God and worship him. Even through the bad times. Look at this lesson here. It's so big. I, I, I mean, no wonder God put that in front of me. I needed to hear this. I needed to hear those first two chapters. But it's not over yet. In verse 7, so Satan left the Lord's presence and infected, listen to this, infected, all right, Job 
with terrible boils from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. That's painful, man. That's your skin stretched out. This dude's in pain now. Ah, he's feeling it, right? Then Job took a piece of broken pottery to scrape himself while he sat among the ashes. He was breaking the blisters. How many of you guys get a blister in your foot or something from wearing some new shoes and you break that blister? Oh, you're singing mercy. Oh, Lord, help me. Why not break that blister? This man broke every blister. He was welcoming more pain. This is what he was telling me. He was welcoming the pain because he feels he's unworthy. He feels that he deserves his pain. He's telling me that he doesn't think he's worthy of anything because this cannot compare to what he really deserves. This is the lesson I received from this. That man, he must be thinking of something bigger. And as I continue my studies, I learned that the lake of fire is there. You know, hell is there. We deserve to burn. But God is so graceful. We're not receiving that, right? So here Job is teaching this. And he's still teaching it. When you read it, look at that. You know that Job is accepting. He's taking it. He's welcoming that pain. He must be aware of something, right? I'm thinking to myself on that sofa. He must be aware of something. He must be aware that something worse it could be worse of what he deserves. Yeah, he's probably feeling unworthy and thinking, you know, there must have been something I did wrong, you know, to receive this. But it's not, it's not, uh, it doesn't even measure up to I, what I really deserve, right? It doesn't mean he really deserves. Can we sit back and say that? Can we sit back and say, oh man, you know, this happened to our children or this happened to our family or to our friends or to our church. Uh, it could be worse. It's not exactly what we deserve, but let me accept it because I fear God. I love him. Whatever it is he's doing is to correct me, to set me right in my path. I must have veered off some way. This is how I'm thinking. Job is thinking this. Let's continue. All right. This one blew my mind too, because I'm thinking to myself, all right, what is this person still doing here? I thought everybody was gone, right? So verse 9, his wife, Job's wife, said to him, Are you still, and I can just imagine how she says this, right? Let, let's try it. Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Listen to that. Listen to that. It sounds evil, right? Curse God and die. That's evil, cursing God. You know, what is going on? Does Satan entice her heart? I mean, you think about two things here. First, I thought about, Wow. Wow. It took me right back to the garden. Did Satan feel that he could work her heart? Because, man, she's bitter. She's mad. She's not feeling like Job is feeling. She's not accepting or welcoming anything. It sounds like to me like she's accepted the fact that God did this to them. She's accepting the fact that Job did something wrong. And God is punishing. You see? So right away, she's ministering to him evil thoughts. Curse your God and go die. That's horrible. But then I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. I thought everybody died. How come she's still in the picture? Was it because Satan was going to use her? Oh, but then later on I learned, okay, because it's a whole other sermon to teach us also that matrimony is big for God. You know, it's very important. 
that man and woman joined together become one. It's the truth. And here in Job, we see it right here that the woman was not killed with everyone else because she was part of Job. So therefore, they were one. But his half, the other half of him, is speaking this nonsense, blasphemy, talking about curse God and go die. Still holding on to integrity, huh? Stubborn old man. I wonder how many more things she said to him. Probably didn't even cook for him. Told him, go die somewhere. Right? Curse God and die. Insane. Good Lord, save us, Lord. Help us. And verse 10 says, you speak. He says to her, you speak as a foolish woman speaks, he told her. Now, why would he say that to her? I'm thinking now I'm gaining this understanding. The Holy Spirit is helping us here. You know, you speak as a foolish woman speaks. That means that she hasn't spoken like this. She's always been side by side with Job. One with him. Something happened. So now I lean towards the idea that Satan had something to do with not killing her. Huh? He was going to use her as a vessel. He was going to try and use her again like what happened in the garden with Eve to get Adam to fold, to take of the fruit that he was told not to, to be disobedient to God, to come against God. Is this what she's doing here? Is this what she's allowing Satan to do to her? Because Job picks up on it right away here on verse 10 when he tells her that you're speaking like a foolish woman. And then he reminds her, should we not accept only, should we only accept good from God and not adversity? Should we only accept what's good from him? See, now this cleared everything to me while I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh my goodness. This is insane. And obviously I continued reading. And I read the whole book of Job over and over and over. And I tell the story to everyone. These first two chapters. These first two chapters changed the way I look at God. And today I know, I didn't know how, what was going on. And that same year, all right, about a week later or two, I was saved. I surrendered my heart and my life to Christ and I was saved. I received the, the, the blessing that God and Jesus promises, huh? the Holy Spirit. So now I continue to read and receive more. Oh, the enemy didn't like it. Oh, there was adversity all over the place. I mean, there was people coming at me, all kinds of things, different offers. I'm like, uh-oh. Things that I normally wouldn't take. No, man. This, my friends, my brothers and sisters, is exactly what happened to me. Why and who I am today is because of God. He made me pick up that Bible. When I sat there, remember I, I told you I sat there and I looked across in the middle of all this sinful stuff was the Word of God sitting there looking at me for years, for five years it sat there. Well, my brother Jim had given me that Bible five years before I surrendered to Christ in 2011. And it called out to me in a way where it didn't speak, but it called out to me. I felt like I needed to go grab that. And when I did open the Bible, I landed in the book of Job. And the first two verses, like I said, hallelujah, changed my life forever. And I hope that by you picking up the Bible... And reading the Holy Word. I know we scroll through our phones. It's convenient. But don't rely on that always. Split the pages. There's nothing like that. 
There's nothing like flipping the pages and feeling them and knowing that God is speaking to you. Thank you. And that's all I got for today. God bless you. We praise the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen.